Well, welcome to a brand new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. Alongside Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. We're going to take a look around all of Creighton Athletics again this week. But it's a big week for volleyball as the Jays, who are, of course, in defense of their Big East Conference Championship, take on their number one rival this weekend in Marquette, as well as DePaul later this weekend. And I thought we would bring on the reigning defending defensive player of the week in the Big East Conference, Kiana Schmidt, who happens to be from Wisconsin, who joins us this week on the podcast. Kiana, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Are, do you always get excited when you get a chance to go back home? Yeah, I do. Um, it's always fun. I mean, Marquette's a big rival, so the game is fun. Um, and then also a lot of my family and friends are always able to come to the game, so it's always exciting. Was Marquette on your radar when you decided where to go to college? Honestly, not really. Um, I kind of wanted to get a little bit farther away from home, um, so not too much, no. So there's not that in inner, you know, that inner, uh, there's always an inner drive in you, but you don't have this separate rivalry where it's like, well, those guys turned me down or I turned them down. You just, you, you just kind of play. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your effort last week because you ended up doing something that very few Jays have done in winning the defensive player of the week, which you won three times or two times last year. You had 13 kills in 17 swings. That's one of the highest percentage hitting ranks in Creighton history. Obviously, you're not keeping track of records when you're playing a match. (laughs) But in the middle of that match against Seton Hall, were you aware that you were just hitting at that high a level? I mean, do 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 you have like an internal count of just how well you're playing? Um, I mean, like I knew I like felt pretty good about the game, uh, like how I was playing, um, but definitely no like internal count of kills or anything like that. Um, but I think it was just like due to like our passes were like perfectly to Kendra and Kendra was able to give me great balls. So I was like, yeah, like I should be putting these balls away like they're perfect. So, yeah. How much of what you do is all set up by your teammates? Oh, all of it. Like 100 percent, especially as a middle, like we get. We only get balls when there is a good pass. So our passes, like it starts with the pass, like the pass is good. And then Kendrick has been giving me great balls, um, which makes my job really easy. Um, And so, yeah, it's basically all set up by my team. Can you think of other matches in your career where it was working that well, just the chemistry, uh, the timing and everything was just perfect. Was this, was this your, your best or was it, can you think of another match that kind of reminds you of what you did on Sunday? Yeah. Um, I would say like recently when we were at Minnesota, we played high point first. Um, and that was definitely a game where it just felt like our team was like clicking um, all around. I think both Amory and I hit at a pretty high clip that game. So both middles, um, which again, just credits it all to our passers and setters. So. How big was last week just to get back in, in the groove again, sweeping both, matches especially after losing the previous weekend in kind of surprising fashion for a lot of folks yeah for sure um we kind of talked about it throughout the week like we were having a great week of practice i think that i mean obviously the loss wasn't good but i think it motivated us in a good way to just remember that the big east can everyone in the big east is good and everyone in the big east will show up when they play us um so we had a great week of practice last week um, and i think that really just carried into the weekend um, and gave us our confidence back And of course, you know, Nora not being available the last few matches, does it take time? Because you're so used to playing around a certain group and you lose somebody of that caliber. 
Does how much time do you think it takes to adjust when you don't have a player of that ability out on the floor with you? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the season that our team was deep. Um, so I think obviously when Nora was out, we were all sad. I mean, sad because we love playing with her, sad because she's a great player, um, all of that. Um, but also we knew that Destiny would step in and be a great player. Um, but I think that Nora definitely bails us out of some situations like she's been a go-to for us. Um, so I think other players on the court were like, okay, like we're just going to have to elevate a little bit more um, to just kind of make up for that. But honestly, it's been a pretty seamless transition. Des has done a great job um, kind of taking over that role. So it's been good. When you have a player and Destiny's one of the young players on the team, it has to step into a role like that. Do you find it important to, obviously you're always encouraging, but there's also a point where you can be overdone, right? Where you're always getting into someone's head. Do yeah. you, is there like a balance in, you know, just saying the right things, doing the right thing so that, you know, the, a young player like that doesn't feel the pressure of having to perform at that same level of the person they're replacing? Yeah. Um, so I think we kind of talk about this, like with our whole team, like when, if you go up and take a big swing and you miss, like, that's okay. You know, like we want each other to go for it. And so like, we kind of talk about like coming into the huddles, like giving each other eye contact, like really like giving that like reassurance that like, it's okay. And like, I think it's easy to say it, but then when you're the one missing the swings, you're like, shoot, like it's all on me. Like you kind of get a little bit internal. Um, and so I think just like reminding each other, like, I mean, destiny, but everyone else, like, it's fine. Like it was one swing, like way to go for it. And just kind of give her that eye contact. Then we move on to the next point. I sense, and I've interviewed about uh, half a dozen or so of your teammates so far this fall, I sense that there is a closeness on this group. Not that the other seasons or last year didn't have closeness on that group, but I just sense that there might be another level of that this year. Are, are you sensing the same thing? Yes, for sure. Um, that was actually like one of our goals at the beginning of the year was to be a little bit more intentional about I mean, like everyone's going to have like their best of best friends. And like, we're like, that's fine. You don't have to be that with all 18 people. But like, if you're sitting next to anyone on our team, like we want it to just be easy. Like everyone just to be like very like comfortable and like close with each other. Um, so we've been really intentional about like going outside of like our best of best friends to like make other connections with people on the team. Um, and I think that's really like carried over like, um, you know, just last year you have a couple of friends and then everyone else, like you just kind of get used to sitting next to the same people on the bus, getting used to sitting with the same people at dinner. Um, so we've just kind of been intentional about going like against what's normal um, to really try and like develop that a little bit. Yeah. I've noticed that, you know, having traveled in the past, you know, with basketball, with baseball, with some of the other mm -hmm. teams I've covered and, and everyone kind of has their spot on the bus, right. You know, yeah. the, the big guys go to the back, you know, the guards are over here, you know, everyone, yeah. do, have you guys, intentionally changed it up? I mean, have you moved around a little bit? Because those, yes. those bus trips, and you're going to take one this week because you're going to be going from Chicago up to Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. is, is that something you consciously want to do? Yeah, like Ellie and I are like our two captains this year, and like we've like sent out texts that's like, make sure to choose a new spot on the bus. Like, we're going to dinner. Like, make sure to sit next to someone new. Just like those little reminders, because it is just so easy to go to your same spot, like to do what you're comfortable with. Um, so we have sent out those reminders to just be extra intentional about it. Well, let's talk about Marquette. The Golden Eagles are the last undefeated team in conference play, and obviously they've been your number one foil the last handful of seasons in, in challenging Creighton for the conference championship. When you look at them on film, what what stands out, and, and is there anything that maybe is different or better than last year? 
Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting playing them because it's besides their libero, the same team as last year, um, which I feel like doesn't happen very often. Um, so like it's interesting, like as our coaches are like saying stuff in practice, we're like, oh yeah, I remember that, or like yes, like we did that last year. Um, so I think it is kind of nice to be able to like be like, oh yeah, like we've done this before, like we have like these like the tendencies already in our head. So it's kind of nice um, just to be able to like rely on some of that, like it is already in there. Um, but I mean, they're good. Like they have run a very like balanced offense. Like everyone on their team is good. So I think it's going to be a really competitive game. Talking with Kiana Schmidt, who is the reigning Big East defensive player of the week. Jay's getting ready for Marquette and DePaul this weekend. Is there added pressure because you already have the one loss not to fall another match or another match behind Marquette early in the season? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it um, right after we came back from our Xavier loss that last year, our record was, I don't want to mess it up, like 17 and one is what got us, you know, to tie. And so we're like, we already have the one. Um, so it's, there is a little bit of pressure just, but I think it's good pressure. Like it just gets us ready to, you know, we need to show up every game. Like every game is important. Like there's no room for error here. So, yeah. What, what is it like to play there at Marquette? Um, <laughs> is, is it tough? Yeah, last year they filled, like, their gym was loud. They had – their band sits, like, right behind our bench. So it's, like, loud in there. Um, they have some fans that will kind of get on you a little bit, which is always fun. Um, <laughs> and so it's a fun environment. Um, I'm looking forward to going back, so. What about – I assume you're going to have all your family there and probably added folks coming in? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, which is always fun, especially, like, to look up in the stands and see them, even if you do hear, like, the hecklers behind you. So it's good. So have you thought ahead to what life is going to be like without volleyball? This is your senior year. Uh, I, I, do you have an extra year with COVID left if you want it? This is my extra year. Okay. Yep. So this is my fifth. My, I'm the super senior on the team. Um, and so, yes, I'm actually um, in the interview process for PA school right now. So I'm going to do that after. Have you thought about what volleyball is going to mean to you after you're done? Yeah, I did. And, you know, like thinking about possibly staying in Omaha for PA school, I'm like, that will be like, like my life here is kind of centered around volleyball. Um, so I'm like, that would be, it'd be, it's definitely a weird feeling to be like, I could be here without volleyball um, or like without being on the team at least. Um, and I think it's just really like the friendships that I've made are really what volleyball is going to mean the most. Um, like I can't like all my teammates, um, just like seeing them around. I'm like, that would be it would be definitely interesting to keep seeing them, but without seeing them every day, um, because they're definitely what means the most to me. Kiana, have you given any thought to either of the new professional leagues or in continuing playing after your college days? Um, honestly, not too much. Um, I do think it's really cool, though, um, and it's great for volleyball. Um, just personally, I haven't really given it much thought. Have you thought about it, 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 extending your life in volleyball and coaching or anything like that? Do you anticipate that, you know, how are you going to try to keep volleyball in your life after it's all done? Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. I think for a little bit, I might just be a little cold turkey stopping. I think, <laughs> you know, keeping my toes in the water might make me miss it even more. Um, but maybe down the road, I'd get into something like that, but we'll see. Well, Kiana, congratulations on a great weekend last week. And obviously, best of luck this weekend uh, as you go off uh, to Milwaukee and Chicago and, of course, the rest of the season. It's been a great uh, pleasure to have you here on the podcast. And uh, go get them this week. Beat Marquette. <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll do our best. And DePaul so you can get ice cream.
Exactly. Yes, that's what's important, right? Yeah, yeah. Make sure you have a place picked out in Chicago. I'm sure there's many to choose from. Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Still to come on this week's 1620 The Jays podcast, Creighton runner Taylor Rorick will catch up with our Josh Peterson. But right now, for a recap of the week in Creighton soccer, here is Connor Happer. All right, welcome back. More of the 1620 The Jays podcast this week. I am Connor Happer. Since we are winding down now, yes, you believe that we're winding down the soccer seasons, I thought I'd take you through both the men's and women's side and just give an update on how we're going and then sort of set the stage for the last few weekends of, of regular season play. I know it's really hard to believe October 28th is the final regular season match for the men's squad, and October 26th is the final regular season match for the women's squad. So let's let's take you through sort of update on how things are going so far, and then lately, uh, let's start with the men's side. 3-4-4 four, and four on the year, um, and just kind of looking to get over that hump and get some more consistent play. They have the big win against Marquette back a couple Fridays ago, uh, Friday the 15th, in fact. And it's sort of just been up and down since then. Lost to, to Xavier 1-0, tied Omaha out of the conference. And it sort of sets up, as you look at the conference standings for the Creighton men's side, 2-1 and one in the Big East Conference. And, you know, the, in, in the men's side, they split up into the Midwest and the East division. So Creighton has a chance and is very much in the thick of things in the Midwest division at this point, but they only are in the Midwest division as far as a matchup, uh, I believe one more, two more times on the season Uh, with the match coming up against Butler um, this coming Saturday. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day, it comes out Friday, October 7th on the road in Indianapolis against Butler, who's 2-6-1 right now on the year. So that'll be a match that Creighton really, really wants to take care of business there on the road. And then they sort of get you know the week, the midweek off, and then are back out on the road to Seton Hall next weekend. They are 5-3-2 on the year, 1-2 in the Eastern Division at this point. So it's pretty imperative that Creighton takes care of business on the road in their next two matches, gets at least a point in both of those, and then can move on. And then, of course, the the perennial sort of power, Akron, joins the league this year. They're joining in the Midwest Division. That'll be a big home match on Wednesday, October the 18th, UConn, that Saturday. And then you go back out to Queens to finish off the season on the 28th. So for the men's side, still everything out in front of, of the Blue Jays soccer team. Tied for second in the conference right now in points. Georgetown with a perfect uh, nine points at the moment, 3-0 conference record, 7-1-1 one, and one on the year. So they, they're they sort of leading the way for the league, but the rest of it is, is jumbled up. The UConn, if you're looking at the conference as a whole, UConn, who Creighton will play at home um, in their uh, in their final home match of the year, Saturday, October 21st, they um, look pretty similar to the Blue Jays right now with their six points, and then uh, Xavier right there with the six as well. That's why that loss was so big. To the Musketeers a couple Fridays ago, um, and Creighton not getting a point out of that may end up hurting him in the long run. So, long story short, on men's soccer, just a ton to a ton out in front of them at this point for the men's soccer team. Currently, seventy fifth in the RPI 
And unfortunately, in the, in the Big East Conference, you're not going to see that number pop up. UConn's basically right next to them at 73. Um, but Creighton's going to you know, hope that, that some of their wins can sort of stand up. That Marquette win has kind of fallen off a little bit. They are currently 53rd in the RPI. So there's not much that, that Creighton can sort of do to enhance their resume over the final couple weeks of the regular season with the exception of, of winning some matches and certainly coming away with points. But like I said, as far as the conference is concerned, everything's still out there on the table for the Blue Jays men's soccer team. On the women's side, 2-6-4 and four so far in the year, and they have now dropped to 0-4 oh, in the league, which puts them at the very bottom of the conference standings right now in the Big East. That is going into this coming weekend. In fact, at the time that you're hearing this, Creighton would have already probably finished, they would have already finished off uh, their Thursday, October 5th match against St. John's at home. Um, so we don't have a result for that one at the time of this recording. They'll go to Villanova on Sunday, but just sort of looking to get back on the right track. If we go back, um, and Creighton was really happy, and, and Coach Pauly was really excited about their win against South Dakota State back a couple Fridays ago on September the 15th. And then they went out to UConn and felt like they could have got more out of that. And and we'll pinpoint this one September 24th against Georgetown when you played them at home. And I think Creighton and Coach Pauly, I think, would agree with this. Felt like maybe, you know, you never want to say that Creighton outplayed Georgetown. That's a really, really good soccer team. They're a nationally ranked soccer team, one that you're always going to find near the top of the conference. They are at the top of the league right now with 10 points, 3 and one overall in the league um and, and Creighton felt like they could have they should have at least got a point out of that night and they fell short lost one nil at home and I think it was maybe a little bit difficult to pull themselves off the mat and at that point you're sort of wondering okay where's the confidence um you, you need, to, need to sort of see one go through and then so this sort of stretch right here September 24th against Georgetown, that game that we pinpointed. And then you come back, and you still have a home match against Marquette, a team that looks really similar to you in the standings. Obviously, they look very different from you compared to how you want to play soccer. And Creighton possessed the ball for about 75 to 80% of that matchup. Maybe even was more than that. I know it was 75 in the stats, but it seemed like it seemed like more at the time of watching it. And Marquette just snuck a couple goals in there and, and won it 3-1. to one. And that was a... It was a demoralizing loss, I think, for the Blue Jays. And, and then they went out on the road last Sunday against Providence and lost that one as well. So they have a couple home matches, three home matches for the rest for the remainder of the regular season, St. John's, Seton Hall, and Xavier. And I think if Creighton sort of just remembers, hey, we can win these, we can get points out of this instead of chasing the season-long goal and chasing the season-long, okay, here's, here's where we should be at this point in time. It's sort of match by match and, and occasion by occasion, and Creighton needs to sort of keep that in mind as they head into the final six matches of the regular season. St. John's, Villanova, Seton Hall, DePaul, Xavier, and Butler to finish out the regular season for the Blue Jays women's soccer team. RPI currently sitting at 128, and that'll that'll improve if, if they're able to knock off a couple wins, but now it's, you know, it's obviously really important that you get points. Zero so far on the board for the Jays in conference play. 0-4 in the league and not even getting a point out of any of those results so far is really biting them right now. 
So you're looking ahead to the Big East tournament, and the top six make the league tournament. Of course, Creighton was the five seed out of the six last year and won a match against Butler and, and pushed Georgetown quite a bit uh, as Georgetown knocked them off in the semifinal. So that's pretty much what they're looking ahead to. Can you can you somehow back your way into that top six with a great run over the next couple of weeks? That's that's really the important thing for the Creighton women right now. They currently are in last in the standings. But you look at some of the teams that are directly in front of them and even into the middle of the pack, you say, man, we get, we play a little bit better. We do a little bit closer to what we're supposed to be or what we think we can be. Then we could just be right there in that middle of the pack, and that's where they need to get to in order to extend their season. But as of right now, it has not looked good over the last couple of weeks for the Blue Jays women's soccer team. They are losers now of four matches in a row, only scoring Two goals during that period of time. They have gotten Keelan Terrell back in goal, which is a big deal for them. Got her back against Marquette, um, and and it's been three goals in each of the each of the two matches that she's been back. Obviously, she's a significant piece of, to their puzzle, getting back sort of comfortable and with her feet underneath her again. But it's going to need to turn around quick uh, for the Blue Jays. Once again, three home matches left, and then the three road matches as well in Big East Conference play. The Blue Jays hoping to extend their season. All right, there's your soccer update for the weekend. Once again, the Blue Jay men are on the road this weekend and next at Butler at Seton Hall. And the Blue Jay women are at home Thursday, October 5th. So that'll be past the time before you hear this. Uh, On the road on Sunday and then back home next Thursday, the 12th against Seton Hall. So a couple more chances left to get out there and see him. And still plenty of opportunity left for the Blue Jays uh, on both sides to extend their seasons, keep them going, and make sure this is a successful campaign. Okay, I'm Connor Happer. That is your soccer update for the week. Hope we placed him okay. Man, hard to believe. Once again, just a few matches left in the regular season, but certainly still a lot of wood left to chop on both sides. Connor Happer, we will send it back to John Bishop. John? Thanks, Connor. Last week at the Gans Creek Classic in Columbia, Missouri, freshman Taylor Rorick made a little bit of history, becoming the first women's freshman to lead the team in a race since 2018. The freshman from Colorado is now with our Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. We welcome onto the 1620 The Jays podcast for the first time, Taylor Rorick, a freshman runner for the Creighton Blue Jays out of Castle Pines, Colorado. Taylor, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Awesome. The, the calendar, it, it's already flipped to October. It's wild how fast the, the fall season is moving, at least on my end. I wonder if you feel the same way. How How is your first season with the Jays gone, whether it's, you know, in inside the uh, races or outside? Yeah, it's been going really well. Um, I absolutely love the team. I love training every day. Racing's been going well. Um, it's honestly just flown by. I can't believe believe it's October already. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. You mentioned the training. I wanted to ask you about going from being a, a high school athlete to being a college athlete and what that like it meant for you in the off season. Were you upping mileage? Like, how do you think that you've handled being a college athlete this year? Mm-hmm. My mileage has stayed pretty consistent, but the volume in the workouts has gone up significantly. And then we've added in a lot more cross training, which has been new, but 
Um, I've honestly loved it so far and I think I'm handling it well. The first month here, my foot was bugging me and I was in a boot for a few weeks, but um, came back from that and it's been going well. That's great to hear. You're from Colorado, as I mentioned in the intro, obviously a very outdoorsy place. Uh, let, let's go back to the beginning. How did running enter the picture for you as an athlete? Um, so I played soccer up until high school. And then in high school, I decided to try cross country and I went to practice and I loved it. And then I raced that following weekend and I loved it. And I just kept running and then decided to quit soccer and focus fully on running. What, what was it about running that, that drew you in and, and had you deciding to move on from soccer? Um, I honestly loved the team culture in running. Everyone is so supportive and hardworking and just genuine people. Um, so that's really what made me love it. I, I wondered if that would be the answer. Was was running something that had been like in your family? Like obviously you're, you're really good at endurance sports, given that you were playing soccer as well, that, that you were able to find the type of success, especially given that you didn't start running, you know, like that until high school. Um, My mom will run for fun, but no, we haven't had competitive running in my family. So when did you then realize that like you could run beyond high school? How how early uh, did that come onto your radar? Um, it was probably like my sophomore year of high school. I um started to think about the future and like if I wanted to keep running, and I honestly did. Like I felt like I hadn't reached my full potential, and each year and season I was getting faster and faster, and so I wanted to just keep competing. So when you know when when I often will talk to runners, one of the things that that will come up basically every time is the idea of like, hey, slow down. You don't have to run everything so hard. You can run easy. Like, what was that process like for you as you're learning? Or was that something that was kind of easy for you that, hey, when you go out, you don't always have to go pedal to the metal. It doesn't have to be like a race. Yeah, it definitely was a learning curve because coming into running, I really knew nothing about training or what that looked like. But um, it's honestly super important to take the easy days easy. So that way you can run hard in your workouts and races. You were you were Valor's uh, most improved runner a couple of times back in 2020 and then in 2022. What went into that? How, how did you be? How did you earn that award? Um, I think it really just came down to consistency and showing up every single day, um, and just trying to get a little bit better because like one big workout or one big race isn't going to make you a significantly better runner. It's just going to come through like showing up every single day. So going back to, to what we discussed a couple of minutes ago when you decide, hey, this could be something that I do maybe beyond high school. When does Creighton enter the picture? And what was it about this university that you decided that you wanted to become a Blue Jay? Um, I think that they reached out to me in the spring of my junior year. And I had a Zoom call with Fairs, and it, he was such a great guy. He's hilarious. And they were talking about the coach and like the coach staff and the athletes on the team and how like they really just care about the runners not just as runners but as people and that really stood out to me and then when I visited the team was incredible and they were all hardworking and welcoming and friendly and um this program has really been improving every single year and so I see the potential of what it can be and that's really what I wanted to be a part of. Were you happy to like get away from the elevation of of Colorado? Was that something <laughs> that you were excited for? Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot easier to breathe here, um, <laughs> which is nice. It definitely is. You you recently became uh, the first Blue Jay freshman to lead 
the team in any race since all the way back in 2018. So, you know, five years ago, was that something that like you found out about after the race? And and if so, what did that mean to you? Um, I mean, I am used to like training with Danielle and Carly and Morgan. So I wasn't exactly sure where I'd be in the race, but it, I just felt good. So I went ahead and it went well. Um, and I'm excited to have Danielle in the next race. Absolutely. So before we let you go, I mean, I guess as this season, as we mentioned, it's already flying by. What are you hoping to get out of the rest of this year and and, and moving on throughout the, the next few months into the uh, off season? Um, I want to just like, I think our team has the potential to um, hopefully place like, or get like regionally ranked at Big East, I think, or maybe in regionals. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> no, I'm just excited to like keep getting better each race and um, the rest of the training and competing and seeing how our team can do. Um, I think that we have a lot of potential. Well, it'll be awesome. The next race is a home one. It is in Ashland at the Platte River Rumble. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for taking some time for us on the podcast today. Good luck to you. We look forward to following your career. Thank you so much. John, back to you. In other Creighton sports superlatives, for the second time this fall and fourth time overall, Creighton women's golfer Eleanor Hudipal has been named the Big East Golfer of the Week. She tied for third place at the Big O Classic earlier this week. And on the men's running side, senior Marcos Gonzalez was the Big East Male Athlete of the Week. He's the first Blue Jay men's runner to be honored by a conference office since all the way back in 2008, when the Jays were still a member of the Missouri Valley Conference, Gonzalez led the Blue Jay men with a 22nd place finish at last Friday's Gans Creek Classic in Columbia. Before we wrap things up this week on the 1620 The Jays podcast, let's take a look at the calendar of events for the weekend. Volleyball will begin their big weekend with a match at Marquette. 7 o'clock is first serve. That will be televised on Flow Sports. Then on Saturday, men's tennis is at the Omaha Invitational. The rowing team heads up to Minneapolis for the head of the Mississippi event. Softball has a pair of games in fall scrimmage action with the first against Missouri Western starting at 11 a.m. Volleyball then travels down south to DePaul to take on the Blue Demons. 6 p.m. first serve on Flow Sports. And men's soccer will be at Butler with a kickoff time of 6 o'clock. On Sunday, men's tennis continues play at the Omaha Invite. Women's soccer is at Villanova. That will kick off at noon. And the softball team heads down to Lincoln and Bolin Stadium to take on Nebraska in fall ball action starting at 2 o'clock. The women's golf team is headed to Libertyville, Illinois for the Loyola Parkinson Family Invitational. That event will begin on Monday and continue on Tuesday while the men's golf team heads up to the South Dakota Invitational. That will actually be contested in Homer, Nebraska. Then, next Thursday, women's tennis is at the University of Kansas. Women's soccer will play host to Seton Hall at Morrison Stadium. Coming up next week on the 1620 The Jays podcast, both the men's and women's basketball teams will host their media days on Tuesday. We will have a complete recap and a chance to chat with some of the men's and women's basketball players. And of course, we'll have a complete recap on everything that has taken place in the world of Blue Jay athletics. I want to thank Connor Happer and Josh Peterson for joining me here again this week. This has been the 1620 The Jays podcast, a co-presentation 
of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. I'm John Bishop. So long, everyone. <laughs>